Shall we? Sure. Yeah. All right, here we go. No kazoos. Oh, oh my god, it didn't bring it in. Shit. I can still mouth trumpet. That's how it began all that time ago. We can't we can't do a weekly MCU spoiler special, even though this wasn't a weekly MCU <laughs> spoiler special, without the Marvel Studios Fanfare Orchestra. We can't. Mm, and we, here we are all in the same room. And it feels to me like we are missing a golden opportunity. Are we though? <laughs> what if we pretend we have kazoos? <laughs> oh, me likey. Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Empire Podcast is proud to present the Marvel Studios Fanfare Orchestra Fake Kazoo's Edition. <laughs> what a kazoo sound like? What a, oh no, I'll do, I'll do harmonica. It sounds like you screaming into the void, into the multiverse itself. I forgot how the tune goes. Okay, um, quickly, I'm on. Sing. gentlemen oh, wow unless our demands are met we will be doing that again <laughs> and again i don't harmonize with terrorists <laughs> that was incredible wow and my harmonica that i just bought from the harmonica shop sounded really good is you that, guys is that what that was wow <laughs> it's been a long time since we have done the marvel studios fanfare orchestra so thank you for sitting through that as we found ourselves uh, once again hello pod i'm chris hewitt and welcome to a very special edition of the Empire Podcast Spoiler Specials. This one is dedicated to the entirety of What If. The nine part was going to be ten at one point. Took me by surprise. I thought next week was the last episode. Then Amon said, are we doing anything this week for the final episode? And I was like, well, yes, obviously, but next week's the final episode. I think you'll find. And he went, what if they didn't finish the tenth episode? And this is now the final episode. And so we, here we are. We have convened in person for the first time in a long, long time uh, to talk about... <laughs> You've got to stop quoting the, the song from the end of Endgame. <laughs> is that, is that, is that what's the song at the end? It's been a long, long time. Oh, that song. Oh, I thought you meant... Okay, yeah. It's been a long, long time. Um, yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, some respect, please. That's actually a oh, nice yeah, sorry. song. Okay, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, hello, welcome everybody. So we are going to be talking about what if and joining me to discuss what if in person I can reach out and I can almost touch his pecs is incredible. I'm on Warman. Hello. <laughs> He's looking so worried right now. Oh dear. Uh, we're also joined by, of course, our geek queen, Helen O'Hara. Hello. Don't, no, no, no touching. We've, no, we've had no, this discussion. No My lawyers have had this discussion. This is now an Arrested Development Spoiler Special. <laughs> And last but not least, Ben Travis. Hello, I'm here to answer the question, what if I finished watching the last episode of What If literally a minute ago? Yeah, yeah. We might have been able to do this tomorrow and give ourselves a little bit more time, but um, but I don't have more time. 
but obviously, uh, whenever What If was coming into our orbit, we thought, you know what? This is a great chance for us to take a break from doing <laughs> weekly spoiler specials. Because on the face of it, it looked like it was going to be fun. And each episode was going to be enjoyable to watch. And I think that has been borne out. But we also felt that it wouldn't really prove essential and there wasn't going to be a great deal to talk about. So we decided to wait until after the the season finished before we did so. And I think, you know, not to pat ourselves on the back, hindsight 2020 and all that, I think we did the right thing in a way. I think we wouldn't have struggled had we done a weekly show we were talking about each episode. Some of the episodes had more to say about than others. And then others, you know, didn't. Yeah. Although that said, you know, there have been things in the past where we were like, we won't have much to say about this. We'll be in and out in 30 minutes and yeah. we're still there two hours. Like, so it's possible that we would have. But yes, I think this was the right decision for this show because I, I don't think there should have been as much to say about it. And I, I was kind of looking forward to it being just crazy, weird concepts every week, which is not quite what I got, actually. But yeah, it's it, it's, it was fun for the most part. There you go. Fun for the most part. And uh, what was interesting, of course, is as... One of the things I one of the one of the issues I had with the show was that a lot of the episodes ended fairly abruptly, and I thought, is there something more happening here? You know, the Killmonger episode, for example, starts and finishes really, really abruptly, and you think there's more story to be told there for sure. Uh, the Thor episode ended uh, quite abruptly as well, with the appearance of what we now know to be Ultron, and then it became clear last week that there was a, oh no, an end game in play here. <laughs> and that the whole thing was f- pretty much connected. Mm. I'm not sure that every episode... Not zombies. Zombies did play into this episode. Uh, yeah. I guess yeah. a little bit. But... Mm. but, you know, Doctor Strange episode played into mm-hmm. it. Maybe the one with Ant-Man with Hank Pym killing everybody. I'm not sure that that yielded. No, that's the universe uh, that we see in the final sort of episode, in the final, in the final minutes of the final episode. Of course, because Loki appears. Yeah. So Loki is fighting Nick Fury, Captain Marvel and Captain America, who Nick Fury found at the end of uh, the episode. Okay. That's the Good. universe where... All right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God that Amon is the watcher uh, among <laughs> us. He has a, he has a spreadsheet. Uh, but I did like the fact that ultimately it did tell uh, an interconnected story and that everything, all the pieces, most of the pieces fit neatly into place. All the pieces um, matter. That's a different pieces, show. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, very different what am show. I doing? Um, uh, and, but what do we make overall of the show itself? Ben, you, you're, you're the freshest. You've literally just finished it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I started this by reviewing the first three episodes for us. Uh, and I gave it three stars then. I think overall as a series, I would still give it three stars now. I found it a... A, a mixed experience. I, you know me. I love animation. I love the MCU. I was very excited about the marriage of both of those things. I don't think it was always the most harmonious marriage, but I have to say I'm glad we're doing this podcast at the end of the series because I think I feel a lot warmer towards it now after the last couple of episodes that we've had compared to maybe where it would have been a couple of episodes ago where... I I liked the idea of it being semi-standalone, but I think I struggled to feel that impetus every week of, I have to watch What If, in the, in the sense that I would get up every week for Loki and WandaVision and mm. watch it straight away and not look at Twitter or anything on the internet before I had a chance to watch it. I didn't feel that pull with What If. It didn't quite have that extra mm. level of import. And But also you, did, you didn't have to do that with What If, because I, did, yeah. I felt that it wasn't connecting with a wider audience. And so you had to watch, I mean, we had to do it anyway, because mm. it's our, our jobs and also we're massive fans and we would watch mm. these things at eight o'clock on the day they drop. But with What If, 
like I was monitoring Twitter all the way through it, and there's certainly it's appreciation for it out there, but it's not connecting in the way that a Loki did no. or a WandaVision did or, you know, the other show that they did as well. <laughs> it's not, it wasn't connecting to those extents and you didn't have to get up to beat the spoiler rush. Yeah, it wasn't the top trend on Twitter every day, but I have to say by the end of the series, these last couple of episodes where it did start to tie together more, it still felt like it was doing that kind of crazy what if concept, but giving it a bit more weight, giving it that sense of, oh, I need to see what happens next and, and, the fact that it feels a bit more connected, I actually really liked about it. I think it's the whole thing is an interesting experiment, right? Not just bringing the MCU into an animated format, but like, how do you make this stuff matter? These multiverse stories matter. Mm. And I do think they got there in the end, but I think I struggled a bit with that along the way. Interesting. Yeah, now I would largely agree with that. It's not quite appointment viewing, but at its best, it's really, really fun. And I think the episodes which are the better ones are where it really settles on the tone and a you know, simple-ish story that feels like they, they, they're giving themselves enough to do for the runtime that they have. The episodes which haven't worked as well for me, the tone has been all over the place and it feels again like it ends abruptly, that they're trying to do too much, which means that the emotions that they want to elicit, you can't really sit with them before or after a whole nother thing and a whole nother character. And I think there was just a mix of, sort of, you know, of that kind of storytelling all the way through, which frustrated me at times. I had issues with it. I did. I, I like a lot of the ideas and, and a lot of the stuff was very fun. I thought, you know, when I saw the Captain Carter episode, I thought Ben was well harsh to give this three. I mean, yes, I don't always love the animation style, but, you know, this is a lot of fun. But later episodes, you know, so many of the episodes of this series ended with, and then they all died. And it was terrible. <laughs> and I was, I just got a bit like, what if somebody had fun for once? Jeez. And, you know, the Thor episode was was great for that. But even at the end of that, you have a, the, you know, Super Ultron turning up with, with, the, with the Infinity Stones. So I was just, it, I, it exasperated me. And even when I realized and appreciated that it was building to a conclusion, a forcing you know, of the watcher to actually kind of uh, break his oath and, and actually do something for, useful for once. <laughs> do I, something, man. Stop standing there. Um, but even even then, I was a bit like, but I don't need everything to build to a universe-spanning threat. And I actually didn't want that <laughs> from What If. And I know, look, these things are not meant to give us all what we expect and want from them. I get that. But this should be, to me, a blank canvas to do crazy, weird, wild, wonderful shit this should be what if a universe where everybody is, you know, a th- frog and not just Thor. Like that kind of shit is what I wanted from What If, and mm. I don't want Endgame from What If. I actually I mean, don't. This is Endgame to the power of yes, Infinity. Th- yes, this, this is one. Infinite this Endgame. Is, yeah, Nth game yeah. maybe. Infinite. Mm. Yeah, I, I like it. I I get the desire for that, but even in the comics, What If was always about one thing changing one small thing changing yeah. and then everything sort of you know, yeah. following on from that, not like a wholesale, everyone being a frog type Well, thing. I mean, in fairness, if there's a universe where Loki can be an alligator, there's a universe <laughs> where everybody can be a frog. But I agree. I know that. I, I'm just saying I, I wanted What If to be more a bit fun and wild. A bit, bit, yeah, a bit more fun. What if yeah. Thor had hemorrhoids? That wouldn't be fun for him or us. <laughs> Chris but, Hemsworth like, would probably find that quite funny. He would, he would, he would not be like, like his, li- his line this week about he'd have to do his hair before his date 
with Jane. I want to see that montage. I want to see the <laughs> Thor getting ready for a date montage. Yeah. What, That's fun. What if Thor had been given the correct directions on the London Underground? <laughs> I mean, what if Thor was stuck on the London Underground when it all went down in yeah. Greenwich? And we do have other non-Thor ideas, by the way. <laughs> if anyone's listening in thinking, ooh, season two, okay, let's, let's ask these guys to write it. I yeah. do love that yeah. Thor's hair is glorious in any universe. It's oh, a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, very, very much so. Uh, you got like so many nicknames as well. Um, in that episode, I think it's the one where Hank Pym comes in and destroys everything and, and kills everybody. Yeah. Um, the, I know Coulson gives him a nickname. I can't remember what it is. This is top uh, podcast. This is, <laughs> this is really good stuff. What if Amon had done his research? <laughs> hey, I've been reviewing this show. Well, Amon's looking that up. Um, I, I think for me, what you guys have both said ties into my issue with the show as well, with the presentation of the show, which I think is that they didn't quite get the tone right in terms of whether this is serious and MCU or whether it's just a bit of fun, whether it needs to connect to everything or whether it's just off doing its own thing. And the animation style, whether it's trying to be cinematic, be expensive, be lavish, or lean into the sort of cartoonishness mm-hmm. that you, that animation allows you, and I think that visual inconsistency for me also tapped into this bigger maybe issue or just something that rankled with me the whole time during the show, which is I actually preferred it when they leaned into the cartooniness of the animation that mm. felt more real and more viable to me. Whereas when it was trying to more accurately emulate something that was live action, mm-hmm. you felt that disconnect. I, I never really connected with the character models Whereas the action sequences were really great because mm-hmm. it was fluid and punchy and used those properties of animation in an in interesting way. Yeah, and ab- absolutely, that's 100% right. They should be using the opportunity of having an animated show to go batshit crazy on, on, the, on the action and to do things that even the Marvel guys would go, guys, we can't afford to do that in live action. That's mm-hmm. what you want from an animated Marvel show. And I think they did that in this final episode, yeah. right? The final, the whole half hour is just people shooting different kinds of magic at each other in insane ways. And it brings in these more comic booky visual flourishes and stuff that I think was really, really striking. And it was like, oh, this is what, what, this is what, what if can do that maybe the rest of the MCU would have to find a way of, of de-cartooning, de-comic booking it. But in this form, they can just make it look like that and make it a visual feast in that way. Yeah. I'd say they did that over the last couple episodes. Uh, I really, really enjoyed Uatu versus Ultron. Uh, yeah. That was mm-hmm. so much fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And probably my favourite line of the entire thing, uh, Uatu, you cannot compute the power of my will. That was <laughs> awesome. I'm, I may have been very excited in that, in that moment. Um, so, so yeah, in the last couple of episodes especially were really, really good. But it feels like they've been escalating that as the series has gone on. You had... Um, Doctor Strange versus Doctor Strange in episode mm, four. My fun. favorite episode of the entire thing, which, which was awesome. And then you had Captain Marvel versus Thor, two sort of mm. cosmic beings really sort of going at it, which was fun. And then after that, we were on two and then Super Ultron in the final episode. So mm. yeah, it was good. That, the, the Thor episode was interesting in terms of the animation style that Ben's talking about in that whenever they were landing in different countries, you could see the names of the countries written on the, you know, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Yeah. France, I think they landed in France. And, uh, you know, you see it from a, a bird's eye view. That was really nice. Yeah, really that playful. Was fun. Yeah, uh, yeah. It may, maybe could have done a little bit more with that. But the, you know, where did you, where did we stand? Where do we stand overall on how this plugs into the the wider MCU? Because these are half hour episodes. Mm. Ben was talking about he doesn't feel that a lot. Mo- most of the episodes, anyway, 
hit the emotional peaks that they were trying to hit. Now, I think a lot of them did because of the inbuilt affection we have mm. for these characters. You know, this the the Killmonger episode, for example. You know, it was about the seventeenth time Tony dies in What If. <laughs> so give that AC, Iron Man a break. AC Bradley and Brian Andrews, the the head writer and the director of the of the episodes, um, we're hoping to talk to them at some point over the next few weeks. Um, and I'm going to ask him, what is your beef with Tony Stark, guys? <laughs> Honestly, seriously, give the guy a break. Uh, but Tony, when Tony dies in that episode, I felt it, but I, you know, obviously not as much as in Endgame, spoiler alert, mm-hmm. um, but there were other moments where you have that, you know, the, the, the inbuilt history baked into the characters mm-hmm. when Hank Pym is revealed as the guy who's gone on a rampage in episode three, I thought, well, that kind of works, doesn't it? Because we know Hank Pym's enmity towards... Shield and yeah. Stark and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff, and uh, so it, 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 you know, it, it, it exploited that shorthand. It, it used that shorthand very, very well, I thought, for the most part. But what did you guys think? Yeah, and they were, I, I would agree with that. I think there were there were moments that really worked. I find some of the most emotional bits in the zombie episode actually, and I have issues with Marvel zombies that I have I talked about before and will talk about again. But, um, but I thought that like there were moments of sort of self sacrifice and and people accepting their doom and stuff there that were actually really affecting. I think a huge amount of this is, you're right, building on the affection we already have for the characters and it is helped enormously by the fact that so many of the voice actors return. So you did feel some kind of connective link with those guys. I was quite mixed on Marvel Zombies. I think there were some things that were great, like the self-sacrifice of uh, hope uh, was really, really great. And I really loved the dynamic that she had with Spider-Man mm. in that episode. I could just hear Helen going, Hope gets more to do in this single episode <laughs> of what if than she did in the movie in and that movies. bears her name. Yeah. But it feels like for the first sort of, you know, 15 minutes of that episode, things are moving so quickly mm-hmm. and I did not know what emotions this show wanted me to feel. If it wanted me to be sad about these heroes dying, if it wanted me to laugh at them because the characters would do sort of both within minutes of each other. And that episode in particular, I think we're like eight minutes in, we got like a recap of sort of how the world has come to be. Uh, we've gotten Spider-Man sort of, um, you know, home video about how to survive a zombie invasion, which is admittedly fun. Mm. But we're like eight minutes into an episode that's only 26 minutes long, not counting credits. And we're not sort of through the main thrust of the story yet. And that sort of storytelling... It's frustrating because it made me think why you, if, if you, if you want to sort of include that much story, why are you limiting yourself to like a 26 minute runtime? I mean, you can go longer if you need to do more, but the emotions, at least for the first part of that episode, especially were not landing for me. Many of these episodes did feel yeah. like here is a sort of Cliff Notes version of a film mm-hmm. you already love with mm-hmm. a different character in the lead, um, particularly obviously Captain Carter, but I would say to an extent Killmonger as well. Um, and and even Star-Lord. I feel like the, all of those were sort of, well, you've seen most of this story before, but let's just do it in 20 minutes with a but, different person. But I thought there were enough really interesting twists, not just mm. in, in the zombie episode, which was actually one of my favorite episodes. And I'm a bit like you, I have, I'm, I'm fairly apathetic when it comes to uh, the, the Marvel zombies. I just, I, I love zombies, but I just don't like the idea that Marvel heroes would become zombies. It yeah. just feels wrong to me. <laughs> no, absolutely I, I just, not. You know, how would that, possibly even happen I can see maybe with some heroes that it might happen but then you have like things like healing factors healing factors in and 
Yeah, Super so Soldier I was, Serum. I was, on, I, was glad that, I was glad that the Hulk didn't become a, a zombie yes. because that dude's got a really exactly. properly like that how could no he sense. pierce his skin? Exactly, it doesn't make any sense. You know how and, he's and got like, a healing factor. Galactus zombie. I get that it looks cool, people, but, but how, like how, how, how does it work? How does that work? How does it work? You're right, it's just stupid. He eats planets. Come on, he's already basically a zombie, but for planets. So if he eats a planet, does that planet become a zombie? How would Maybe that... if it's ego. I mean, he's basically a dude and also a planet at the same time. I liked it. There was, okay, I think it was in now, one of these final episodes, by the way. this story I want um, to see. <laughs> there was a moment where I think we, we saw uh, Ego uh, about to be destroyed. By Ultron, yeah. And he just had a little sad face oh, on the planet. Oh, little sad, little sad, little zombie Ego going around <laughs> eating people. No, 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 no. But anyway, so the lineup in a, the zombies episode, I thought was really interesting. Mm. And uh, also the lineup of the, the, the guardians of the multiverse uh, in, <laughs> yeah. the, in the final episode. <laughs> Not you the, have yeah. been chosen. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> why have you precisely? Why would you choose the evil dude from episode six? Why, like, what, what's what's going on? But you know, it's uh, it's interesting. So you you know you have um, in that episode you have Spider Man and you know the Vision and Hulk and you know Sharon Carter, people that you wouldn't necessarily, I think, put at, you know, Hulk obviously, but you know you you wouldn't necessarily put them at the forefront. Uh, of this and there were other things as well other little twists in the formula episode 2 the Star Lord episode I loved what they did with Thanos in that where he was completely not the tyrant that we we know and love <laughs> one of my other favourite moments I think came in it's also Thanos related but not in the James way where I'm idolising him it was I think the moment in episode 8 where Ultron has got most of the Infinity Stones and then Thanos appears, you know, striding in, yeah. ready to take over the planet and then Ultron just kills him instantly. <laughs> he slices him in two. Yeah. He's like, what the hell just happened? That was funny. I, I didn't like that moment. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> come on. Like, there's a certain amount of respect you got to have for what we've seen before. And I feel like a Thanos with five Infinity Stones in an Infinity Gauntlet, he would put up some sort of a fight before you get into cutting two like that. I if thought, he can stop Thor with Stormbreaker, like while he's got the blade right at his chest. You know what I'm saying? Makes you feel like he could maybe have done something. Element of a surprise. Disrespect. He did, I'm not here mm, for it. Yeah. Thank I'm God okay. James I, I'm, not in this room. I'm glad right <laughs> seeing Thanos killed, actually. I thought it was fine. Helen was reminded of it. So somehow we managed to wear out the, uh, the program. There's lines on it now. It's a Disney Plus going, how is this even possible? Um, it's cut evenly into two slices, perfectly balanced, <laughs> as, as all things should be. be. I love it. You know, Ultron has, he's like the Spanish Inquisition. Mm. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. His chief weapon is fear and surprise. Mm. And nice and the uniforms. And in nice, uh, yeah. <laughs> Ultron is a bit like the Spanish Inquisition. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. His chief weapons are fear, surprise. And a nice red uniform. Nice red uniform. <laughs> and of course, all the Infinity Stones. Oh, his four chief weapons. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. Okay, so um, Helen alluded to it earlier on. Not everyone came back in the voice cast. I thought as good as the replacements were, Mick Wingert uh, is the uh, Tony Stark replacement. Lake Bell did Scarlett Johansson. I can't I remember she who was did. fantastic. She was very, very good. Alexandra Daniels did Captain Marvel. There we go. Uh, uh, Chris Evans didn't come back. Tom Holland didn't come back. Chris Pratt didn't come back. Dave Bautista didn't, didn't come back. Enough people that it felt jarring to me. Especially when you consider who did come back, like Hemsworth, mm-hmm. like them getting Hemsworth, Ruffalo, Renner, Brie Larson didn't come back. No Tom mm-hmm. Holland. Yeah, what, what was going on there? Uh, Tom did, did Holland. Just... I wonder if there's a there might be a rights issue with Sony. That was the only thing I could think. 
I suppose. I, I could be completely wrong, but that's pure right. speculation. You might, be, you might be right there. Who knows? I know, I know that you guys feel differently, but I was so completely convinced that there was Tom Holland watching that episode. It wasn't until like the end. It's like, wait, that wasn't Tom Holland? It's such a good job. Uh, I completely convinced. Um, some of the voice acting was really, really good. Some of the voice acting was not so good. Like Mark Ruffalo, I love him, love watching him on screen, but his uh, sort of voice in the Zombies episode was really jarring to me. So yeah, like I, I, I didn't mind the replacement uh, sort of voice uh, acting as long as it all sort of sounded cohesive and enough like them. It didn't really bother me in the moment. Hmm. Some people didn't sound like themselves. I actually find um, Michael B. Jordan didn't always sound really? like himself. I don't know why. I, this is not I, a rational position to take, but I, I had a <laughs> Hayley Atwell disconnect a couple of times. Yeah, a couple of yeah, times. A yeah, couple of times. Like a lot see. of the times, she sounded like exactly like Captain Carter, and and sometimes I was like, is that is that her? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Other times, it sounded almost a bit too posh. Yeah. For Peggy, uh, you know, this isn't this isn't Downton Abbey. I know, but also I love her. So oh, she's amazing. <laughs> yeah, she's terrific. Yeah, it was really cool seeing her in action. That first episode, Will in the Shield. Uh, even and, and in the last one, you yeah, know, taking on Batroc, that yeah. was really fun. <laughs> yeah, and I love how they mirror scenes from the MCU. Like mm. they they did that a lot with uh, the Captain Carter versus Batroc and the beginning of the Winter Soldier. Even in the Killmonger episode, they sort of got the. The beginning of the entire MCU with that Iron Man opening mm. bit, like pretty much spot on. So that, was, was that episode was like a sandwich where you've got uh, one piece of bread is Iron Man, then a bit of jam in the middle that was Age of Ultron, and then the <laughs> other piece of bread was Black Panther. And that is a you, delicious sandwich. You have just described the king of all sandwiches. <laughs> uh, and the tuna sub. Uh, Wong's favourite. For me, the MVP in the voice cast of this whole series was Tom Hiddleston, who yes. you can feel... You felt it all the way through Loki. You feel it every time he plays that character. He just relishes it. And I think he really captured the live action essence of Loki, but he also lent into maybe the heightened register that you can play into or maybe need to play into with animation where you have to kind of meet the animation halfway Mm. for it to really punch through. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. And in those first couple of episodes where... You, your brain is tuning in and out the whole time going like, is this is this the person who plays them in live action? Is this some a piece of voice casting? As soon as you hear Hiddleston, you know it's him. You feel like you're in safe hands and it feels consistent with, well, I was going to say the Loki that we know, but the many Lokis that we mm-hmm. know uh, from yeah. the live action stuff. I, I guess it was sort of the point of the particular episode, but I did feel when he was being Frost Giant Loki, it sounded more like Tom Hiddleston than Loki. Um, but I guess, I guess again, I guess that's the point because he's at his most comfortable there. He's living his best life. He's still friends with Thor, who's his brother from another mother. Uh, uh, so, so yeah, that was fun. But that did feel less like Loki, more like Tom Hiddleston. But other than that, he was really good. I would also say the same about Chris Hemsworth. I think he really raised the register when things were bold, and you can see, and even in that last episode, like his his face when he almost gets sucked out into the void, yeah. <laughs> um, is is like an is exaggerated and very cartoonish, and so is his voice. Like he's very much playing against the images, and I thought mm. that worked really well. This is my thing, though, right? I found more distracting than is that the voice or is that not the voice mm. was the fact that the character models to me did not look like the live action characters. To me, mm. they did not actually make them look. That's like the people that we see on screen. And I found Cumberbatch that more does. distracting. Yeah. Doctor Strange does. A Thor, for me, does, does not look like Chris Hemsworth. That's a yeah. good point. Mm. And yeah. I found that really distracting because you've got the actual voice of Chris Hemsworth mm-hmm. and then you've got this character model who doesn't really look like him 
but it's Marvel Studios. They could easily do that stuff. Mm-hmm. They're allowed to. And I just thought it was a strange choice because if you're not going to make them look exactly like they do on the screen, I, I bumped a bit with those 3D character models, that cell shaded style. Never, it just, I never quite settled into it. And that feels like a consequence of, well, we want to make it cinematic. We want to make it feel more like live action. So we're going to do it this way. Actually, if for me, if they'd have made them look more cartoonish, but with specific features mm. of the real people so that you got that level of connection. I think that would have been way more effective. It's so more Star Wars, Clone Wars. Yeah, see, I even I struggle with the Star Wars animated stuff as well. Like, I've tried watching bits of Clone Wars and Rebels, and I just don't like the, the stylized mm-hmm. animation style. It just feels like a disconnect to me with That's what they're kind of supposed to More <laughs> to like Star like. Wars Visions. More like, to be honest, I really like the classic style of something like Invincible or the mm. 90s cartoons where I think it felt like they were trying to elevate the animation into something else where it kind of didn't need to. That style is beautiful and you could have made those characters look more like they do on the screen in a cartoony incarnation, if that makes With sense. With the 90s cartoons, you're of course referring to Batman animated Oh series. God, here he <laughs> goes. With uh, Kevin Conroy as the uh, voice, is that right? Yes, man? have you got your <laughs> Kevin Conroy on hands on today? <laughs> Just he check. never wears any others. <laughs> he's, actually, he's, actually really? got, he's actually got Kevin Conroy's underpants on. Uh, <laughs> he likes to steal into his mansion every now and again, help himself to the undie drawer. And mansion. Man- <laughs> Do you not think? I guarantee you, Kevin Conroy has a mansion. I think I'm sure he has a very, very, very nice house. The yeah. video games alone will have earned oh, him yeah. mansion yeah. money. I would have. Thought. I, I'm not saying he doesn't have mansion money. I just feel like he's a classy dude and doesn't necessarily want a McMansion. He'll have been like, "Fuck you, pay me." <laughs> <laughs> that is right. Or whatever um, he sounds like. Let's uh, <laughs> very, very quickly go through episode by episode and just get your thoughts on each episode. And did anything stand out uh, about that episode for you? <laughs> I, have, I haven't rewatched any of these, so <laughs> we might be going into the dim and distant past of my brain here. Uh, Steel Trap, uh, Amon's Memory. Tell us about what if Captain Carter were the first Avenger. Ooh. Yeah, I really, really like this one. I love that uh, in any universe, there's that connection between Peggy and Steve, uh, which is really, really great. The voice actor for Steve in this was really, really good yeah, too. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah. Um, it's so- Peggy and Steve, not Adam and Eve. <laughs> there's a really cool uh, aerial fight sequence because Steve has the sort of an Iron Man Mark I armor, sort of a cross between... Hydra the Mar- Stomper. The Hydra, Hydra Stomper, thank you. Yeah. Um, and Peggy's sort of on top of that, and she sort of jumps Peggy off. Pardon. <laughs> Golly. Wow. <laughs> wow. And they said there's no sex in the Marvel <laughs> I don't remember that. Was this, the, was this What If After Dark? What was, what was going on? Anywho. Anyway, um, yeah, that sequence is really, really great. That's the thing that stands out to me. Um, we were... Is. We were talking about um, sort of how what if um, may you know, relate to a lot to the live action universe. There are rumblings on the internet that <laughs> <laughs> wow, people on the internet are saying that the uh, so the tentacled creature who first appears in episode one and who appears again in episode four may appear in multiverse of madness. So keep an eye out for what, that. Cthulhu kind of a thing. Say again. It's a Cthulhu, 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 Cthulhu yeah, type, one of the Elder Dog yeah, gods, exactly. Yeah. Which of course appears in this episode as well. Well, indeed, that's kind of what what he what what Strange becomes. Uh, possibly, I did wonder about about that because Strange has given obviously his own episode and awesome is, episode, my favorite one. Really? Oh, we'll we'll get to that in a second. And you know that obviously shows the what could happen to him if he mm. if he treads down a dark and dangerous path. I don't know. I don't know. Was it seen on set? Have they you know massive <laughs> massive trailer? 
all all I know at this point is that there are rumblings on the internet. Um, wow. So, it's because I mean, if Sam Raimi is making a Marvel movie, he demands there be tentacles involved. I mean, in some <laughs> like, also, the, the name at the Multiverse of Madness is obviously mm, yes. a Poe reference. Lovecraft, uh, Lovecraft Doctor Strange reference, at the yeah. Mountains of Madness yeah. is so, how he calls it. Exactly. It's it would be, be awesome to see, sort of, I think, what the character eventually becomes and is now called as Strange Supreme. Um, it would be cool to see him in live action. Uh, you never know. Anyway, I freaking love this episode, unsurprisingly, because it's based on one of the best MCU films. There, I said it again. Um, and <laughs> Chris is just shaking his head at me. I mean, not um, even Joe Johnson would think that, but okay. I really love it. And I I thought that the the heart of it was right in this place. It's, a very, it's very much a sort of speeded up trip through uh, First Avenger, but... I think it, it finds those moments of heart and it finds those moments of connection between the two of them, which I really enjoyed. It finds something for baby Steve to do, which is clever and fun. And uh, yeah, I had a great time. Mm-hmm. And as a proof of concept for Captain Carter, yeah. like mm. do that shit already. Mm-hmm. Give us live action Captain Carter. I, I want that. Make I it believe... Agent Carter season three. <laughs> <laughs> I believe Captain Carter made her debut as in that the idea of Captain Carter and that costume made her debut in Marvel Puzzle Quest. Oh God, Chris! Don't mm-hmm. start it again. It, it, no, I'm not going. Destroy, to, I'm not going to. I it will can't. destroy your life. I can't. I can't. I can't go back there again. Uh, so you guys just, I'm just going to redownload it just so I can, Chris, no. just, just so I can delete it no, again. Chris. That's, that's all I'm doing. Just, a, just a taste. No. Just a little taste. Just no, one no. thing is one just, taste. Oh, I just want to go in the hydro Just repeat but then your again. mantra. Don't we all? What's the mantra? The mantra is don't play Marvel Cross. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. The Watcher had to intervene last time, Chris. It was the whole thing. You made him break his one rule, damn it. No, uh, no episode, episode two, what if T'Challa became a Star-Lord? This was a lot of fun, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it before we praise this episode, because it was really funny and I enjoyed the Thanos stuff. But T'Challa is a total Mary Sue in this episode. <laughs> like, couldn't be Mary Sue-er. Yeah. I don't disagree, but it's cool, so <laughs> fine with me. Um, yeah, I really like this episode. Chadwick Boseman, of course, probably his best you know, vocal performance of the episodes that he's in, in large part because he gets sort of more to work with here. Um, but yeah, it's just great. Um, I, I love sort of all that he contributes to this and the final moments with him returning home to Wakanda uh, with uh, T'Chaka. Uh, voiced by John Carney. Glad mm-hmm. that he came back uh, to voice it as well. Uh, really, really resonated. So, yeah, I mean, not, I mean, he, he, who will be, he will be missed. Yeah, it's absolutely. just that simple. We, we all thought that was his last performance, didn't we? I mean, whenever that episode came out, uh, I didn't know he was going to be in other episodes. Yeah, and uh, they announced it relatively, must have been a few weeks before that. I, I, I always knew that he was going to be in like four or five sort of these episodes, but I knew that that was the one that was going to be sort of the main focus on. So he's in that, he's in Zombies, he's in, very briefly, What If Killmonger Rescued Tony Stark and then brutally killed T'Challa. Yeah, uh, that and was always in the last one as well. Yeah. Um, I thought that it was uh, another example of the MCU piling on Star-Lord, Chris Pratt's Star-Lord, going, look, if anyone else had been in this role, <laughs> everything would be fine. That so, was one of my favourite things, though. When I was watching these first three episodes for review, the first one is like, oh, I get it. You just switch these two characters around and see what happens. Whereas with this one, this was the first one, uh, as I was watching them, where I went, it's the knock-on effects that are really fun in this. You have your initial idea, but the follow-through of all these different things. When, when Thanos comes in and it's like, yeah, if, if T'Challa is Star-Lord, then Thanos mm. is just neutralised instantly and he talks him around, which is a lovely little kind of nod to T'Challa's legacy. 
just felt like that f- the fun of this series for me was all those little spiraling knock-on effects and you just yeah. imagine the amount of fun they will have had in the writer's room for oh, this yeah. show of just pinging out ideas of like oh then we then bring this character in or we can do this or play this scene differently and i think this episode encapsulated that the most for me i really love the heist elements as well uh in this episode and they bring it back a little bit in the final episode as well but i love it when they do that i also loved this episode for Jaimon Honsu and what he does with Korath because like I'm a big Jaimon Honsu fan and it frustrates me that he doesn't get more to do in these big films that he's in and he's in a lot of big films but in these very small roles and I think you know he's he's been in the MCU he's been in two different MCU films as Korath and maybe has about 15 minutes of screen time if that between them so it's really good to sort of see him uh, be just as fun as he is in this episode being a, a T'Challa fanboy and just that opening scene where he meets T'Challa and he's like you know, I'm not going to fight you no no no, no, no. You, you, you don't have to use the weapon that sort of thing it was really cool that, that back and forth banter mm. uh, and I really enjoyed his presence in this episode but give him more to do already seriously okay so episode three because you're right first couple of episodes were basically like hey here's that movie that you really really like but with just a little bit tweaked what if the world lost its mightiest heroes? Episode three was the first one I thought was really deviated from the playbook and did so in a really interesting way with an actual murder mystery. Um, who is killing the Avengers and why? <gasps> ba, ba, ba. And I didn't necessarily buy the answer to that. Like it was quite an extreme <laughs> move of Hank Pym, obviously driven to that point. But I thought there was a real excitement, like you said, in the fact that it it brought in many films. It invoked. The Incredible Hulk, which I think at this point is, has been brought further back into the MCU mm-hmm. than it has done in a long time. So I enjoyed seeing some of those scenes kind of replayed and, and the reclaiming effectively of that movie in this one. Uh, and yeah, I think the joy of this one was the deviating from that formula of just when people were asking early on, oh, oh yeah, the first one's Captain Carter, the second one is T'Challa Star-Lord, the third one what it is, is is a spoiler, which is that all, all the Avengers die before they can assemble. It was a cool idea. The Hulk's death in this episode is one of the more gruesome things that I've seen in one of. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Maybe that was nasty. What happens there? I'm trying to figure out exactly if that would have been something that the Hulk, that would have killed the Hulk. So, you know, Hank Pym is a scientist, so he must have figured out he, something. He and makes him he, grow super fast or something, doesn't he? Yeah, and then he yeah. explodes. Like, he managed, he managed to sort of, you know, shoot himself into the Hulk and oh, then word. it's the inner space thing yes <laughs> so it's what oh, would so, have happened to Martin Short had Dennis Quaid so he becomes so he uh, okay mm, alright little bit the Hulk ceiling factor would have kicked in anyway uh, <laughs> it's, it's a good episode obviously puts Nick Fury and Agent Coulson and uh, Loki and whatnot front and centre mm. um, good stuff solid ep solid yeah, ep fun uh, episode four, Amon has already said this was his favourite episode. A little bit surprised to hear that. What if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his tuna melt? <laughs> Sorry, his uh, his hands. <laughs> I will say, you know, right at the top of this, as much as I like this episode, the you know, repeated fridging of Christine Palmer is not the best use of that character. Yeah, I, I agree. It is basically a what if fridging. Um, no. And, and it's, it's her death is an absolute point in the timeline of the universe and therefore cannot be changed because we need Stephen Strange so much in this, in this theory. Um, but it is, at it, least they're talking about it, at least they're acknowledging it, at least they're using it. They're not just using yeah. it as a cheap 
it's, uh, storytelling device. It's given her more importance in this episode than I would say she had in the film. I would yeah, agree. I, I, I really hope in the sequel that they do more with her because I'm a huge Rachel McAdams fan. We are all stands of Game Night in this house, um, for instance. And I, I Yes! <laughs> oh no, he does! Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you guys are not going to like my reasoning for this. But I really love this episode because for me, it did what I want... I had the reaction to this that, that I wanted to have with Infinity War uh, in terms of the end of this episode. I know. What? I know. Hang on. Are you about to dunk on Infinity Whoa, War no. in any way whatsoever? Oh, oh, oh it's going to go down. Security. It's going to be Ultron versus the Watcher up in here. What if Amon never left his room? <laughs> <laughs> Infinity War is my second favorite MCU film. It has my After favorite After the first moment. Avenger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After we'll have a talk about my rankings in this second home. Um, we don't have that kind of time. <laughs> yeah, and it has my favourite moment of the entire MCU, as we know. What is that <laughs> moment, Amon? Please do, tell us. It's when a certain Asgardian god comes down from the heavens to Wakanda, commands that Thanos be brought to him, and strikes thunder and lightning. And how does that work out for him? Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. Um, talk about this episode. With Infinity War, as I've said in previous podcasts, I didn't have the reaction that I wanted to have when all these people were dying because in the moment I was like, Black Panther's just made sort of you know, <laughs> a billion dollars that they're not going to sort of kill him off. He's going to come back. Spider-Man, I know that there's a film coming out of Spider-Man. I didn't have the reaction that I wanted to have in that moment. With this, it felt the, the, the finality of Doctor Strange losing this entire universe really really struck me and like when the episode to the ended with him in his little pocket dimension like i just sort of stared at my screen in science like the last the 30 seconds of the credits so it really impacted me and affected me in a big way and that's the sort of big twist the big swing that they can take with this show and i'm glad that they did that in this episode for me though this was the sort of episode that was really good I didn't really like it that much. It was such a bummer, man. Like it was. so much of this series, yeah. as Helen yeah. said, is like, what if this happened? Oh, everyone died. What if this happened? This person goes evil and is trapped in their own dimension. What if? The- and I, I, it was again yeah. a bit of that conflict of the heart of the show, where it's like, this is the big, colourful, animated cartoon craziness. We can do whatever. And then loads of the episodes were a bit dour for me. And I think by the end of this one, I thought, do you know what? You've told a really, really good story here. But I don't know, I just felt a bit like blah by the end of it because it it's, was so yeah. bleak. But I, I love it when the show and when this episode like really leans into a tone and commits to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like they really did that with this episode. And as dour, uh, or as down as the ending is, it's really it's a really interesting character study of Doctor Strange and that balance between sort of, you know, using his skill and his powers for good and how sort of, you know, close he is to that line Doctor Strange has always been an interesting film to me in that normally or typically in sort of, you know, these sort of stories, the hero wins by following the rules and it's the villain who's breaking the rules. Doctor Strange wins by breaking the rules um, in, in the movie. And you get to sort of see, again, a little bit of how of, of that character and that balance between good and evil uh, in this episode in particular. So I, I really loved it. So what if zombies? I mean, you know, like I say, we have issues with the whole concept of Marvel Zombies. And and I think this is the point for me where the, the show's um, 
fixation with darker endings really began to get to me because I think that the <laughs> the strange one would have worked better had it not been followed by everyone's a zombie now and then <laughs> Thanos cut, turns up who is also a zombie uh, and then and then Killmonger wins and then uh, you know Ultimate Ultron wins I just I was like oh my god guys just have a party or something like just give me something else so yeah, yeah the, the, the zombies one felt a little bit anticlimactic to me because you were invested in the battle for a cure and you thought oh they're heading off to they go to Wakanda right yeah, towards the end yeah. they're going to Wakanda now they're going to find a cure oh 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 no it's utterly meaningless and pointless yeah Everything is pointless. So, just nihilism. You know my feelings on nihilism. They are not good. And, nihilism. and this was That's very Frasier. much it. And and you know, like you've got funny stuff like Scott Lang's head in a jar. That's yes. inherently That's funny. Fun. Um, and he's so upbeat and perky. But then yeah, exactly. Super upbeat and like Spider Man is super upbeat and it's cute and yet upbeat, everything. Upbeat. And, uh, <laughs> and we need to watch Teen Titans again, don't we? Um, and then and then it all just you know and then you've got super dark infected Wanda and you've got super dark infected Hope and you're just like oh my god. This is the thing again. The zombies episode, you go oh cool like this is a fun thing. What if what if all the Avengers were zombies and then to once again quote game night, you spend the whole episode going yes. Oh, oh no, no. <laughs> died. And I found that I kept kind of chucking me about all the way through the episode that it's on the one hand a wacky episode with Ant-Man's head in a jar and at the same time you're like oh my god this yeah. would be shit if they were all zombies yeah. wouldn't it? It's my head in a jar. Yeah. But it had, I think it was one of the grabbiest concepts and yeah. having Hope Van Dyne be a, a big mm. zombie wasp was really cool. It had some of the coolest ideas. Yeah. That that was a more impactful moment I thought whenever she yeah. sacrifices yeah. herself. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. that, that really worked for me. And yeah. Yeah. Um, I just again, it's that thing about committing to a tone. Like if it's uh, stuck to sort of that level of you know emotional impact all the way through, then I think it would have been a better episode for it. I think if it stuck to sort of you know the more fun aspects and sort of not really caring much when you know heroes that we come to know and love die, as it did in some aspects of that episode, then that would have been better. But trying to have it both ways is just very very um, mixed it for me, and the the, the tone didn't, didn't work. What I thought that episode and episode three did, and in fact episode four, vis-a-vis Doctor Strange did really, really well, was that the animated realm uh, and this medium allows him to really properly depict how powerful some of these characters can be, yep. yeah. um, which you sometimes gets, gets a little lost in the live action movies, just how powerful Doctor Strange is, how powerful Wanda is, that, that sort of stuff. And how powerful, in theory, uh, or at least how versatile Hank Pym and Scott Lang and mm-hmm. Hope would mm. be that they can get into people's bloodstreams, that they can <laughs> they can shrink themselves down, and that can be the source of the zombie virus and all that stuff. Uh, worked really well for me. If I'm honest, looking at the episodes, I think they could have used Hulk a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But you know, hey, there's we know there's a season two. What if Killmonger rescued Tony Stark? That was a clever idea. That was a really clever setup. Um, it absolutely makes sense that they could both be in that place at that time. So I thought that was really good. And I love that Killmonger was still a big planner and a mm-hmm. plotter and a schemer. And I thought their the way their relationship built was really, yeah. really effective. It wasn't um, about rescuing or saving Killmonger's soul, which no. I thought it was going to be. I thought mm. it was going to be a kind of almost like a nature nurture type thing, but mm. it absolutely wasn't. Nope. He's just, he's a scheming maniac, <laughs> no yeah. matter where he is. Yeah, no, nah, it was a good episode. I it was a lot to have the two sort of biggest black superheroes in the MCU die within seconds mm-hmm. of each other. Um, that was a lot, but 
I really, really loved Queen Ramonda throwing down in that final battle. And that makes me very, very excited and hopeful <laughs> to see that in live action, please. Because who doesn't want to see Angela Bassett mess it amazing. in live action? Like, give me that. Would watch. Well, I mean, you know, we, we just had it in Gunpowder Milkshake, so that must yeah. have quenched your itch. Um, <laughs> Can you quench an itch? I don't know. Must have scratched your thirst? Scratch your thirst, then. <laughs> Fine. But yeah, like she, she, she was a general uh, in, in this yeah. universe, and that was cool. This oh. had some of the best action of the series for me, and the, the Doro Milaje stuff in it as well uh, was just awesome. Really cool. I also liked the, uh, I, I, I did feel, I felt sorry for Tony. Because you're going halfway through the episode, you're going, okay, so now Tony is confronting Killmonger. This isn't going to work out well for Tony, uh, but it's a really, really well plotted and choreographed battle, uh, mm. I thought, uh, ultimately. Good, lovely, good ep- lovely moment uh, between uh, T'Challa and Killmonger in the ancestral plane uh, at the yes. end of the episode as well, by the way. Yes, indeed. Uh, yeah, and I like the fact that Killmonger is unrepentant, and mm-hmm. this is what this is who he is, essentially. Uh, what if Thor were an only child to talk about nature and nurture? <laughs> I was having so much fun with this until the very end. Um, <laughs> but this was I was like, yes, this is the kind of silliness that I want to see from this. And also, you know, the fun who would win in a fight between Captain Marvel and Thor stuff. You know, that, like... At least, yeah, do that. Do that kind of thing because that's the whole point of what ifs and that's the whole point of these one-off non-canon, you know, stuff. So That was good. Like, you know, this episode is fun. Like, there's a lot of fun and therefore the liberties that it took with certain things I can forgive because I still don't see how Loki not being in Thor's life leads to all of this because it's not just like Thor's life that's changed. It's the entire universe that's changed and I don't know if... Uh, I can buy that, but because the episode has, has so many fun things, you know, Thor being a party animal, all these uh, people from all around the universe coming, they had, you know, the Grandmaster coming, uh, and he uh, played the song that he played at the end of Thor Ragnarok mm-hmm. is, is, in, is, in, is in this episode. I've, I, I enjoyed that. Captain Marvel versus Thor, again, the visuals were incredible. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. They caught Natalie Portman. I know. Yeah, I know. They can't get Dave Bautista, but they can get Natalie Portman. Yeah. I mean, with, with the greatest of respect to Dave Bautista, who's one of the nicest men I've ever interviewed. Really? Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. yeah, I do agree. I think that's I think that's actually true of a lot of these episodes. Yes. It's not just one thing that's changed. Other people have to act in other ways. I guess what we're assuming here is that 1,500 years of rearing Loki made Odin into a different person and affected mm. the entire nine realms. I suppose mm. that's what we're having to do, to believe, right? Yeah, yeah, let's go with that. Sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> My one issue with this one, I loved the Captain Marvel stuff, but, and it was cool to see full-fledged Carol Danvers doing like space cop stuff, mm-hmm. since that's what she does. It rankled me a bit that she had to be the, like, the buzzkill of the episode yes. all the time. Where, like, and Thor's like, <laughs> oh, you should smile more. It felt like it was leaning into some of the worst parts of the mm-hmm. internet and some of the inaccurate negative perceptions of Captain Marvel as a character that she is the one who comes in and makes everything boring was like a bit of a but then their fight stuff was awesome so yeah. <laughs> that being said poopa poopa <laughs> was funny but it was funny but you know you're absolutely right because it that that annoyed me as well that it, you mm. know and we have this dynamic again and again and again in TV and film in the MCU where it's the party loving dude and the woman who always has to clean up after him trying to get him to calm down you know it was established in the very first movie with Pepper and Tony and it's kind of been a thing ever since um, this is so. not the worst thing you've ever caught me doing <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh Penultimate episode, 
What if Ultron won? I, I really like this. Uh, I, 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 I think Ross Marquand is a phenomenal voice actor. His, um, as I've said on the podcast before, his Matthew McConaughey is next level. His Harrison Ford is astonishing. Uh, his Hugo Weaving slash Red Skull is so good, good that we yeah. don't miss Hugo Weaving and the Red Skull. Uh, we do miss James Spader. I think yeah. what, it, what it showed was, weirdly enough, I, as much as you're not going to find Age of Ultron Dishes in this room, we're all pretty much on board with Age of Ultron. Um, oh, yes. You know, very, very much so. <laughs> Maybe not as much as I'm on, but yeah. No, <laughs> no, indeed. Uh, but it, I think it kind of shows just how idiosyncratic Spader's performance was mm. and how much weird offbeat personality he brought to that role that it, this doesn't feel like Ultron. But I really like the idea that Ultron, who I think is in some ways, you know, the the, the forgotten villain of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, mm. mm-hmm. yeah, how effective he could be. And the idea of Ultron in that body with the Infinity Stones is a great idea. Yeah. It gave us an actual age of Ultron rather than a day and a half of Ultron <laughs> or whatever it was in, in Avengers yep. 2. Like It allowed that to play out and to, mm. to show, as you say, yeah, how big a bad he could have been. I really like what they do with Uatu in this episode, but also all the way through the series because sort of at the start of it, he's very much in the background, in the clouds, watching. As the series continues, he sort of more and more becomes into the in, into the foreground, and I love that moment in uh, this episode where uh, Oatu's narrating, and Ultron's like, "Who is that?" And it's like mm. <laughs> the, the, the narrator yeah. becomes a part of the story, and yeah. I really like that moment. They, they do that as well in the Doctor Strange episode, where Strange senses mm-hmm. his presence, and he's like, "Ooh, uh, that's a bit weird. That's never happened before." Okay, that's okay. I'm gonna retreat now and you know, see what happens. Yeah, those moments began to justify for me Jeffrey Wright. Because mm-hmm. he's tremendous and he's got one of the best voices in the business. But the first couple of episodes, I was going, why have they hired Jeffrey Wright for this? <laughs> because it's literally just a couple of lines at the beginning of the episode. He's doing the Rod Serling intro, outro thing. You know, why get someone that good and that notable? You know, you could, I, I'll have done it. I could have done it. <laughs> Hello, welcome to What If. <laughs> I'm the watcher. Bangly bang. Bangly bang. I love to watch. I do like to watch. Oh, no. I, oh, think, no. <laughs> I think we will see Uatu in live action uh, in the MCU in the next Ooh. two, three years. I, I would also heard it here I'd be unsurprised by that. You heard it with Helen's second. <laughs> <laughs> with Uatu becoming part of the actual story here as well, like it gave us some of the kind of coolest moments of the episode, Ultron sort of yeeting him through multiple yeah. levels of reality, yeah. shattering the, the way they visualise that, I thought was really cool. And I think that's something that's really great with this show. In the wake of Loki and WandaVision, this is our first proper visualisation of what the multiverse theoretically is actually going to look like in the MCU, that they are sort of parallel existing within each other. You can sort of throw yourself through the boundary of one into mm. the next if yeah. you are so powerful mm. to do so. And that where Uatu sits and watches, it's like a sort of hall of kaleidoscopic fragments. I thought it was just a really cool way. It obviously ties into the title sequence of the show as well, of, of What If. But this is our first time actually seeing what the multiverse might look like in a practical sense for our characters, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. And, and it reflects the, the effects in Doctor Strange and to a much lesser extent, the sort of the, the jumping through space in Guardians as well. Reflect yeah, like and that. refract. Hey. Oh. And one of the, I can't believe you haven't mentioned this yet, Helen. one of the universes that we uh, go into in that episode, Steve Rogers is about to become president. Yes, I, I did notice that, <laughs> believe me. I very much noticed that. Because um, Helen that immediately funny. Googled, how do I go to Steve Rogers' <laughs> president universe? 
<laughs> oh God, can you imagine though? Oh. <laughs> I can imagine the restraining order, yes. No, <laughs> but if, like it would be so relaxing to what just... What if he went full Greg Stilson within five seconds and oh, he was like, no, yeah. I, I trust in him. Started firing nukes left, right and centre. No, it'd be like that president story in Sandman. It'd be awesome. <laughs> so I think we've talked... Uh, we've, have we talked enough about the final episode? No. Big old scrap, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, internet, interconnected storytelling is hard, um, but at its best, uh, you know, it gives you things that just wouldn't have been possible otherwise. And I think the final episode of What If is the, a really good example of the really great stuff that can come from this level of storytelling. The sort of six-way scrap, I don't know how many characters went, that, that, that final battle between the Guardians of the Multiverse and Ultron is awesome mm. and there's so many cool beats within that there's a beat where black widow and captain carter with their shields sort of you know take take ultron down from the with the high and the low and it's just awesome like <laughs> if you if you looked at like i watched this in the office sort of earlier ben if you looked over at me i would i was just smiling and giggling <laughs> with my little phone like, oh it's so cool um so yeah it was great um i saw the killmonger um becoming or trying to become a baddie coming mm-hmm. I mean yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I don't think that was a huge <laughs> surprise to anyone don't take away my victory Alan. <laughs> no um, but uh, but yeah even the way that they ultimately resolved that uh, was something that I did not see coming yeah. and, and, and that was cool that was clever I mean I, it's odd to have your bad guys bringing down your bad guy mm-hmm. which is essentially what they did I mean you know bring in the Nazi to defeat the robot it f- feels to me like a rather fraught plan but I guess they really were desperate at that point so it makes mm. sense but you know you it's never like thought Trumps, <laughs> you never thought for a second that Zola wasn't going to yeah. betray them ah, but it was it was all part of the plan because know, he, yes, has, he had I have foreseen everything it's too late I've foreseen everything oh, no. <laughs> yeah so and like and but but you were sitting there the whole episode going well this seems like just a really bad plan and I'm not sure why they buy this but okay well this is the thing it's like Killmonger you have been chosen it's like really why because you've you've seen what he does right you you're that, watching you're supposed to be watching this stuff you, you yeah. know that Shuri and Okoye are literally <laughs> right in the corner right now don't you and um, yeah and I, I, I guess one of the most jarring inclusions in that is Gamora because we mm. haven't really yeah. seen Gamora in that episode now there there was a 10th episode I think we get an, a, a glimpse of here where we have Tony and some sort of Hulkbuster Hulk Buster, yeah. armor because there's yeah. a Lego set of that it's Tony in a Sakarian Hulkbuster Ooh. and yeah. Gamora with uh, Thanos's like swipey razor thing which yeah. I own that Lego minifigure but I, <laughs> apart from in this finale we haven't seen that episode yeah so that, the, that helicopter blade, the, the helicopter blade Thanos's uh, from the Thanos copter no, the, is it, oh it's not the it's not the balancey one I thought it was no, the balancey, the, 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 the big, the big one, the big one, the big one, but the handle in the middle, the big swishy yeah. swish. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think the episode, which was meant to be episode ten, is going to be in season two. All right. Interesting. Well, hopefully Tony Stark will actually survive that one. That would be, uh, that would be unusual. Uh, we've got time, real quick, for a couple of listener questions. Uh, here is a good one. Uh, here, here, is a, here is a good wow. one from at Ray underscore like the fish. Uh, which one of the episodes do you wish you could have seen in live action? Maybe Captain Carter, because it felt like it was just replaying those scenes. It didn't really do much of the animated flourishes. And I just want live action Captain Carter. I think that's such a cool idea. See, so do I, but that would re- deprive me of live action Captain America. So I'm very torn. <laughs> Not in the I'm multiverse, very torn. Helen. Uh, that is true. Hmm. I, I am inclined to, however, say the Doctor Strange one would be cool in live action because I just think Doctor Strange... 
is very cool. And I, his those effects are my favourite of any Marvel yeah. movie. So I would like to see that. <laughs> um, yeah, Doctor Strange one is definitely on the shortlist. Like, I just want to see like all the amazing visuals of these crazy cosmic battles on screen. So in that regard, I might have to go like the final episode. Or can, can I have bits from episodes? No, just no. one episode. <laughs> Jesus. But, but that fight, all the action in the final episode felt like it was designed with the animation in mind, which yeah. I think is yeah. why it was so cool. And really painterly towards the yeah. end, completely certain of the um, certain of the confrontations. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go. With, I I really like post-apocalyptic scenarios. So uh, either the zombies episode or the Ultron wins episode with Natasha and Clint. Mm. running around uh, because you know, you're asking so many questions like at what point does Steve go down at what point did Tony go down you know when did oh, that yeah. happen oh, well you know well, on the hydro stomper no doubt uh, <laughs> alright time for another quick one we have another quick one uh, from Damien S. Pumpkins was the Gamora Iron Man scene left over from the axed due to COVID episode that we'd never got yeah basically yes. someone sneezed on the animation cells and ruined it <laughs> Uh, we we haven't discussed the mid credit sting. <gasps> Has Ben has Ben even seen the mid credit sting? <gasps> mid credit Yes. Sting? Although we were sound checking at the time, so I, I was like half in the I episode and half in this room. Have you not seen the mid credit sting? <laughs> I, I paused it. I was so excited to talk to Ben about the episode. Oh wow! No, um, remind me, Helen, because I forgot. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> Peggy, uh, Peggy Peggy finds the hydrostomper right. with someone inside. Who That's could it right. be, I wonder? On the Lemurian star, uh, okay. Natasha comes and says, hey, you know, ooh, we found something and it's a hydrostomper. She's like, there's someone inside. Yes, presumably his desiccated corpse. No. <laughs> desiccated? No. What, he like will a be coconut? fine. Yeah, he's been dried. He's been sucked ooh. of his blood. You know by, by whom? By Deacon Frost. I know who might stop Deacon Frost. Blade. Blade. Yes, my friends. That's how you end an episode. Uh, but that's not how the end of the episode. <laughs> I, should, I have to point that out. That's not how the end of the episode. Uh, Chris Aidy says he had a niggle. Oh. Oh. He says at the end of What If Thor Were an Only Child, Ultron appears with his army just as Thor walks away. Uh, and then when we meet Thor in the final episode, that doesn't seem to have happened. And yep. the Watcher is surprised by Ultron's appearance. And then the Watcher engages I, Ultron in mm. the next episode. So a little bit of inconsistency there in your animation. Explain yep. that. Uh, I cannot explain it, only to say that <sighs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a very good Sick point. One that I pointed out to the week uh, it happened as well. Like, yeah, it felt like weird storytelling. Um, because you ended that on you ended that door episode in a really interesting cliffhanger. Surely you'd follow on from that immediately. I don't know why they didn't. Mm. Yeah, I thought that would follow on the cliffhanger in the next one, or I thought that the um, mm. you know Pepper and Shuri teaming up would be resolved, but it wasn't even resolved really in this one. Like they 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 go into where Killmonger is and he's been vanished. So mm-hmm. you know that was a bit, bit bit misleading. Last question from Matthew R. Buck. We had a few other questions, but we're only going to be able to get to this one. Uh, is this MCU canon? And if so, do you think the story or <sighs> characters will ever bleed into the live action MCU and our prime? Characters slash timeline slash universe. I kind of hope not. I just, I, I feel like, right, this is my, you know, slight issue with multiverses. I think we can play with them. We can have fun with them. We can certainly, you know, save some money by recasting some characters and moving away from some characters. And that's all fun. But like, oh, if they get as complicated as the comics, I think there's already a serious, serious case of casual viewers switching these films off or or tuning out of this because they just haven't got a clue anymore what's going on. I think that's only going to get worse. And I think the more multiverse stuff you you play with, the the quicker that happens. So I, I just feel like I would prefer it if this were its own thing and just were off, you know, 
throwing frogs in the air in a meadow somewhere and doing crazy stuff. Or hemorrhoids. All about the frogs. I don't know why the frogs, but just like, I, I thought about throwing badgers in the air in a meadow, but they're heavy. That'd be dangerous. You know? Yeah, I no, think it'd be dangerous. quite feral. And I know, right? Yeah, so no. I thought frogs would be safer. No. Rains of frogs happen all the time. I think this is canon, but that doesn't necessarily mean it has to cross over into the live action stuff, just in the sense that you have various film properties, or maybe not so much because they brought everything together in Infinity War, but you had characters who are technically all canon existing in very different places, who just because they don't cross paths with each other doesn't mean that that's not equally canonical. So I think the fact that they are calling this the multiverse, the fact that they are kind of using explicit scenes not explicit scenes but explicitly oh using oh, scenes that was cut out <laughs> <laughs> it's all in that 10th episode my friend it really um, is but the fact that they're explicitly using scenes from MCU movies and and remixing them and calling it the multiverse and having the watcher there i think means this is canon but it's totally up to them i think if they ever did cross a few bits over it would be very specific instances here and there in a way that wouldn't throw out casual viewers cuz they've been really careful with that stuff so far yeah, no, I fully trust uh, the MCU in that regard. They're, they have nerdified the, <laughs> a big sort of new section of, of like th- this entire audience into knowing what Infinity Gauntlets and Thanos and Guardians of the Galaxy and people like that are. So uh, I fully trust them to know sort of what they're doing in terms of introducing multiversal concepts. And I think that, again, Multiverse of Madness will, uh, might give us a few surprises in that regard. Or indeed No Way Home. Indeed. Indeed. Mm, indeed. Indeedly Uh All right. Well, on that note, on that Ned Flanders note. <laughs> what is happening? Indeedly beadly. Uh That is Neighborino. it. <laughs> that, is, that is it for our What If Sporter Special. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Our next Sporter Special is going to be, what is it going to be? We're recording it soon. Freaky? We're doing Freaky? What? We, no, we've we've done doing freaky. freaky. No, we haven't done Freaky. We haven't done Freaky? We haven't oh, done Freaky. Amazing. And I want to do Freaky. Green Knight. Green Knight. Green Knight. Green Knight. And then... Oh, other things June. as well. June! Oh. Yes, June! Bond, Bond, maybe? June, Bond, Last Night in Soho, it's all coming out, you thick and fast. Oh, it's going to be very, very exciting. But in the meantime, uh, that is it for our What If Spoiler Special, and it is time to say goodbye to my three colleagues of such lethal cunning, Benjamin Travis. Let's have to say goodbye in my universe. I don't know, I panicked, I thought, I didn't know you were coming to me first, you were looking at Amon, and then you immediately turned to me. Well, no, it's just, you know, I, I, that's what I do. I, you know, I look at someone else, and then I... Anyway, goodbye. it is goodbye from Ben Travis, it is also goodbye from Amon Warman. Peace. <laughs> Let the record show Chris just pointed at Helen when he said that. It's very confusing. It is goodbye from Helen O'Hara. No, not me. Damn it. What if I pointed at the right person? Oh, no. And it's goodbye from me. I'm off to uh, rewrite Helen's Steve Rogers fanfic, now retitled Pop a Hydra Stomper in My Ass. Oh no! Oh yeah! It's gonna, oh no! It's going to get pretty graphic. I, I, I must confess. <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> that's what happened to Hulk in the zombies episode. You're going to need a lot of pin particles for that one. <laughs> oh my word! Uh, thank you so much for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye.